Hello, I'm Alan Collar, Editor-in-Chief at InvestSmart. And I'm James Kirby, Wealth Editor at The Australian. And we are The Money, the Money Cafe. Cafe. Now, uh, James, um, what have we got on our plates this week? Well, look, there's just so much going on. And uh, I must say, the I mean, before we get into the finance topics... Al Jazeera's stuff on uh, One Nation was fantastic. Has been good, hasn't Absolutely. it? Absolutely. I mean, really. And they're and they're. I suppose they were caught so thoroughly caught. That, that I'm sure everyone remembers what happened. Al Jazeera got James Ashby of One Nation on videotape, kind of dealing and taking strategy lessons from the National Rifle Association while he was asking for how much was he asking for? Twenty mil, was it? Yeah. Twenty mil. Yeah. Have you got twenty mil, guys? And he was caught anyway on this video, and uh, his pathetic excuse was that he was drunk. Yeah. They really are. He didn't even seem that they drunk, really to be honest. Are dreadful. Yeah. Uh, no, but no. but um, anyway, it's really been, uh, it's, made my, it's made my week, I must say. <laughs> yeah, it's a fascinating so, organisation, Al Jazeera. It really is. Now, you had a piece yesterday, or today, I think, on uh, SMSFs not being able to borrow money. Yeah, that's um, right. And what I don't understand is how come... Lending to an SMSF is risky. What's, it's, uh, what's going it's, on? It's not so much that it's risky. Self-managed super fund. Why yeah, is that risky? Yeah, it's not, you know. It's not so much risky as it's complicated. It's complex. And because it's complex, you know, they're, they're, looking, for, they're looking for excuses not to lend at the well, moment. Well, that's pathetic. I mean, it's desperate. And the why thing is, is it complicated? Because, because, because it's at arm's length from the person. Yeah, and you must have a trust for each asset. Uh, you know, if you had three houses in it, in it you'd have to have three trusts. But um, well, what's, so what's wrong with mm, the banks? Honestly, they're, just mm, not, they're, they're not we're interested not lending. in lending. We're not lending. But uh, what I was talking about today is there's two things. First of all, the government comes out, of course, on Friday and says, actually, yes, uh, SMSF lending is fine and self-managed super funds can still borrow. But in reality, they can't because all the banks have closed their doors. But more than that, Alan, it's not just borrowing for houses. It's borrowing for commercial. And that's cutting down into the absolute core of SMSF. Your, your original hardcore self-managed super funds for those little businesses, shops and farmers, etc., where you could have the building in your, in your super fund, what they call real property. And they're cutting down into that as well. So they're really actually not just cutting at the edges of a property boom and all that, but they're cutting right to the core of what SMSFs are about. And there's a million, uh, million people who have these accounts. Are you borrowing in your SMSF? No, I have never. For the simple reason I always thought it was too complicated. I did, uh, I did, however, do this, this arrangement you can do where you form a unit trust and you and the unit trust have a joint venture and then you borrow and you use the, uh, unit, you use the SMSF money as a, a deposit. I did that and it worked. It's, it's complicated too. Sounds complicated. I yeah, didn't do yeah. that. Or you can do it. And I did it and it all worked. But eventually you have to make a decision. Someone has to buy out someone else. Uh, but it's always there if anyone's listening. Uh, it's a perfectly reasonable, legal uh, way to, uh, to, to, to to gear a property and use your SMSF, that is, to use your SMSF for the deposit. But I reckon this is becoming a serious problem the banks aren't lending. I mean, yeah, you it know, is. Because they were, they were in front of the parliamentary committee this week and Shane Elliott's saying, oh, no, no, we're lending, we're lending. It's, you know, uh, yeah, we're, but their, their book is actually rubbish. shrinking. Yeah, They're not. Their, their book is shrinking. ANZ yeah. are the worst, actually, in terms of, um, well, uh, in terms of the shrinking a loan book. So it's, it's in line with the piece I had in The Australian a little while ago saying that the problem for the economy is that everyone's responsible again. Yes. We've got lending, banks being responsible, we've got the government being uh, responsible. Yeah, but they're gone the, the other, they're on the other extreme, aren't they? They're using that. They're being too responsible. Being, Stop it. Well, there's a line between being responsible and actually not being a bank. <laughs> and what's going on with the 
uh, DIY funds is that these people are now going to the edges of the system, if you know what I mean. They're going to the smaller banks, they're going to finance companies, which, whatever way, whatever their benefits, they are not regulated in the same way as a bank. Well, they cost more too. Well, they cost more, but they're also not as, um, you know, they're not as re- they're not regulated like banks are. Now, now, James, the big move, the big event, if I can change the subject, is on is the the big event on the markets the is global the global event is the inversion of the yield curve. Yeah, and you have to tell everyone what on earth the inversion of the yield curve is before we tell them why we're okay, all excited so it, about it's, it. It's like <laughs> so. What happened was last Friday, the yield on the market yield on the ten-year government bond rate in America went below the three-month bill. Um, uh, rates and that's not supposed okay. to happen. Well, but, if you think about it, it's like it, it would be like um, the interest rate on a term deposit or a two-year term deposit going below uh, the at-call interest on a bank account. Yeah, yeah. So you're getting less yeah. interest. You're getting less interest locking yeah. your money up for two years in a term deposit than you are if it was in on, yeah. on, on at, in at-call. The higher, should, the longer, the higher is the way it should be, right? Well, it should be. Yes, yeah. of course. And, the longer so, you lock your money and, and up so for. So when this happens, it signals a recession. Is that? And is the it reason, as simple as that? Yes. Well, uh, well, so if you go back into history in the United States, um, uh, before every recession since 1955, the yield curve inverted. And there was only one occasion when that I can find yes. where the yield curve inverted and there wasn't a recession afterwards. When was that? 1966. Cripes. Is that the last time it happened? The That's last the time last time the yield curve inverted and there wasn't a recession. Does it have to invert for long? Can it invert for a day and get away with it? Or, uh, yes, it, well, that's it, right. It, 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 I mean, it, it has to settle into serious, a inversion. Well, the more serious the inversion, yeah. the more likely the recession. Okay. It is, uh, in Australia, it's different in Australia. Um, in Australia, it happens all the time. Like, um, mm. I counted... Uh, since since the last recession in Australia, 1991, yes, we've had uh, nine uh, yield curve inversions, and obviously we've had no had recession. No recession. So right. Um, why is it the U.S. then? Why does the U.S. Why is it more reliable in the U.S. and such a scary signal for them? Search me, mate. Oh, I see. <laughs> I thought there might be an explanation. <laughs> well, I'm sure there is. I just don't know what it is. Oh, well, well, maybe no one's cracked it yet. No, it's but, interesting because, uh, yeah. So, the, um, the reason the reason it generally precedes a recession is I is because the reason the yield curve is inverted is either because uh, short-term interest rates have gone up sharply. That is to say, the the central bank has put up the cash rate mm. a lot, mm-hmm. so, Which is not so that it's more than so. so the yeah. cash rate is more than yeah. the um, the long term bond rate. In which case, that brings about a recession, mm. or else because the ten year bond rate uh, falls a lot, and that's uh, a signal that the market thinks yeah. there's going to be a recession. But the market could be wrong. The market. Yeah. Has been known to be wrong. Yeah, yeah, that is true. You've got to wonder about this particular occasion. But the bond don't market, you? Uh, the, uh, the bond market tends to be a bit more reliable than the, share, the market share market in, per- yeah. in predicting in terms of these signals, things. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'd have to say if it stays inverted for a month or something like that, then I, I would start to take it seriously. And, and actually, average, I would take it seriously. The average anyway. time lag between the inversion and the start of a recession is fifteen months. Okay. So it's not tomorrow. Yeah, a good long while. Um, so you could, have a, you could still have a market run. You could have a bull market uh, so on equities. It, it, yeah, it's long enough for us all to forget it that happened and get surprised when the recession starts. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, shit, it's a recession. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I remember that. that remember that thing about the inverted something or other right. on, the, on the Money Cafe a year ago? Um, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it's, um, it, well, the context is interesting because here comes Scott Morrison 
once upon a time the treasurer, now the prime minister, releasing his budget next week into all this, and he's got a lot of money to play with. Um, I saw where Paul Bloxham said that even since Christmas, uh, they've put on, they've got 2.8 billion more than they expected. Even since Christmas, that's the rate at which things are going the right way. Yes, in terms and of everything I, going the right way. I saw a chart. Uh, yesterday, which I'm going to put onto the news, the ABC News tonight, of the rolling annual budget balance, mm. uh, which is put out by the um, Treasury every month. Yeah. So the latest one, which I think is January, but it might be February. So the, uh, I think it's February. Uh, the latest one is minus 953 million. Yeah, which so you're is getting almost nothing. really close to surplus. So it's effectively, the budget is, is there. already effectively in balance. Yeah, yeah. It's there. It's going to go in in the next so few weeks. So they will, yeah, so that's right. Mm. So I, I imagine that next week's budget mm. will um, it will show that a, a balanced budget for this for this financial now year this that we're currently year, in. Right up to, to July. So it won't, be yeah. a, it won't be a forecast budget. It'll be an actual budget for yeah. this year. Yeah, amazing, yeah. Uh, and which we should... Uh, mentioned at this point that you and I are going to do a talk, uh, are going to do a money cafe in the budget. Lock we up. are, everybody. We're going to do our annual uh, budget lockup. Is it the sec- it's it's our our second? It's yes. <laughs> our second annual money cafe. In the budget lockup. Uh, in the budget lockup, and uh, we'll be there. We'll be surrounded by budget measures, and uh, we'll be semi-exhausted because it'll be about seven o'clock. But we will be ready to go, and uh, we should be able to release it that evening, pretty pretty early. So watch and out we'll for be that. We'll be a block with party pies. Yeah, party pies. Oh, yeah, those dreadful party pies that they have, and we have to pay a lot for oh, inside in the Parliament. Um, no, but, but, but what we'll be able to do, everybody, is reveal to you what the budget surplus is. And we will be able to reveal to you, hopefully, what they give away. And they're going to give away a lot, because they're just going into an election. That's right. They're in a great position to give away. So what do you think they'll do, Alan? I, I mean, personal tax cuts, for sure, right? Yeah. Maybe across the board... Anything else they might do? Look, I, don't, I really don't know. Um, uh, a couple of things to note. I, I was just, uh, by the way, I was at the, um, I was in the lounge at the airport last week. Uh, no, actually on Sunday. I was on the way to the football. So Sunday morning. You were on the way to the football? Were you flying to the football? I flew to the football in Sydney, <laughs> which you? was a shocking mistake. News doesn't have to be boring. The Brits have given Prince Harry a new nickname after yet another tell-all interview. Oh, God, is it the ginger winder? (laughs) Let the team at news.com.au get you up to speed each day with their podcast from the newsroom. A couple were busted joining the Mile High Club. Well, I guess they can't fly virgin anymore. Politics, sport, red carpets, royals. Get all the goss in just a few minutes. Follow from the newsroom wherever you get your podcast from. (laughs) Did you Uh, really? And, yes. and so, because uh, Essendon, five minutes into the first quarter, it was like, it was terrible. Keen. Right. So anyway, I was in the lounge on Sunday morning, unusually, and there was Josh Frydenberg, the federal treasurer. So we had breakfast together and um, he informed me that he was on his way to Canberra to spend eight days locked up himself. Yeah. At Treasury. Scoping out the budget. Doing the budget. Yeah, right? eight days from last Sunday. Right, interesting. He was going to spend the whole time, and there's apparently there's a special suite of offices yeah. in the Treasury building yeah. that he and his staff sit in yeah. once a year. So wow. they're, not, they're not used yeah. at any other time Jesus, except once a year mm. for eight days by, by the Treasury and his staff who sit in the Treasury and go through the budget. Uh, and I said, oh, you know, that's amazing. Um, but he, at that point on Sunday, he'd already written the speech. He had written the speech. He says, I'm up to my 
what do you say? He's up, I'm up to my tenth draft or something yeah. of the speech. So I said, well, you know what's in the budget already. What are you doing for eight days? Um, he says, well, I have to learn everything. I've got to learn every single thing. Every feature, every, every measure. Every measure. Every I've got measure. to learn every portfolio. Mm. I, wonder, um, I wonder in those measures, will they go back into super? Yeah, there's some talk around the industry that they'll go back into super concessions because they, they shrunk them so hard. And, and all, the, all the argument was, you know, that they couldn't afford them. They brought them down from, you know, yeah. uh, high amounts, 35,000, 25,000. Like they're so low now. They might reopen them. They might bring them back up. That's one well, I'd watch for. Another thing to note is that whatever money the coalition government has to sp- available to spend, the Labour Party will have too. Yeah. But all the more reason that they might uh, announce what they'll do with it rather than what ALP will well, do with it. Well, of course, they'll announce yeah. what they're going to do with it in the budget, but, but mm. all of the measures, all of the money at least, that can be sprayed around by the coalition will be sprayed around by the Labour Party. Yeah. And a bit more because the Labour Party is actually increasing a few taxes on negative gearing, capital gains tax yeah. and dividend franking. Right? So the tax take is going up anyway, which I thought was amazing because the government spending is not going down, but the spending growth is going down Yeah, and the tax take is going up all the time. But the, and the final thing to note uh, is that this is not, in my view, uh, what you would call fiscal stimulus because mm. the thing is they're not slowing down the pace of fiscal consolidation. They are consolidating... They're spending the money that is a windfall, right? Yeah. That's coming in this, you know, from the iron ore prices and also the taxes have gone up and so on. Mm. So they're going to spend that money. But they're not... I mean, fiscal stimulus is when you go into further deficit. Yeah, yeah. And they're you, not doing yeah, that. Yeah, I, I do some broad nationwide programs. And they're so, not doing that, yeah. yeah. So it still is the case that in terms of stimulating the economy and preventing a big slowdown in Australia and possibly even a recession, the Reserve Bank is on its own. Mm. The Reserve yeah, Bank very is very much isolated it. at the moment. The mm. Reserve Bank is all on its own. You yeah, know. yeah, the, yeah. Um, That's because they're more up. Opt- well, they're yeah, but they're more bullish, aren't they? Uh, also, who? the RBA in the numbers in terms of where they think interest rates will be and yeah, well, they're quickly becoming less bullish. They are, I suppose. Um, yeah. Just before we go to questions, uh, I thought we might talk about the market, right? And uh, okay, so there's a signal of a recession and all that. At the same time. In the U.S., if you want a sort of indication of the spirit of the market, if you look at Lyft, L-Y-F-T, this um, ride-sharing company, which is the rival to Uber, it's, got a, it's coming out with a, with a, with a $20 billion um, float in the U.S., uh, which will raise two, $2 billion on the, on, on the actual market, and it actually keeps getting bid up. Like it's one of these unicorns, which is which is which is coming through, and everyone says, "Well, how are these unicorns going to float if it's a rocky market?" Well, for what it's worth, the demand has been so strong this week that it was oversubscribed on the second day, and uh, they keep ra- they've raised the IPO price, which got to tell you that is not a bear market. I tell you what, it's the biggest sell signal I've heard. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> I mean, honestly, let's see. These I, know, I mean, I wouldn't go into it myself. Well, but I mean, let's it's not making see. any money. It's going to value it at twenty billion dollars, and it hasn't seen a profit yet. Amazing, Uber, Uber, amazing. Uber's the same. Uber's coming next. Yeah, Uber's coming next. They're going to come in right behind it. So, uh, really mixed signals there. Okay, there might be a recession down the track, as you say. It's some way off. Market's flying. Market's flying. Exactly. Yes. Will we look at our? Will we look at our questions from uh, from our keen listeners? What have we got? Not many. Not many. Where We're are falling they, Falling down on the job, folks. Mm. Come on. It means we have to think of stuff to say all the time. Yeah, but I know. That's all right. That's never a problem. 
Okay, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Yaz. This is a note from Yaz. And he, I think and, you and have to answer this, so I'll read it out. Oh, all right, okay. Labor has vowed to scrap the first home super saver scheme it should has. it get elected. I have been contributing extra to my super for the purpose of using the scheme in a few years. Labor has said that existing users of the scheme will not be impacted. But what concerns me is that until I make a claim to withdraw my additional super contributions under the scheme, I'm just a dude who's been contributing on top of my employer's mandatory 9.5%, and so I'm concerned I may lose access to savings that I've earmarked for purchasing a home one day. Have Labor clarified who they will classify as current users of the scheme for the grandfathering? Okay, that's a great question, Yaz. And you're not the first person, by the way, to write in to us asking about this scheme, though there, you know, there's this sense that m- not many people used it. Uh, the quick answer is no, Labour haven't clarified, as they haven't clarified many details in their economic agenda about the exact specific details of who gets to fall inside and outside the grandfathering of it. But I would imagine, since it's a first home buyer scheme, which is very much a Labour that sort of thing that Labour might come up with at various times, that, uh, that they will be generous in who they include there. I wouldn't be too worried about that. And by the way, who knows that even uh, the Coalition might bring in some first-home buyer grants in the budget. I mean, why wouldn't they? It's the, it's the, it's the part of the market that really needs a, a bit of help at the moment, uh, housing. Hey, maybe, I was just thinking, maybe what the Labour Party will do is say, listen, there's so much money around, we don't have to whack pensioners with the uh, dividend franking change. That would be spectacular. Wouldn't that? It would be spectacular. They could say that. Yeah. We don't, they, we don't have they? to do that, everybody, because there's yeah. just so much cash around. And not to mention our forecast, and their forecasts were wildly ambitious anyway, but they won't. Then they should they, do they, it. Yeah, I know they should do it, but they don't want to be seen as, you know, their whole thing is we've met our, here's our agenda and we're not budging. So I don't well, think that would be, yeah, that anyway. would be spectacular. Terry, Terry says, Terry says, hi, Alan and Kirby. Thank uh, you for calling me by my surname, Terry. Uh, thanks for your great show. By the way, there's Kirby's. There's lots of Kirby's first names. Um, thank you for your great show. I deal with Kirby Rappel, for instance, at uh, Super Ratings all the time. Sorry, I must concentrate here. Terry says, I'm interested in your thoughts There are on, many Cola first names. Uh, no, I've never heard one. Uh, uh, on routine portfolio asset allocation rebalancing. Uh, our financial pl- this is interesting listen to this our financial planner service includes a rebalancing quarterly if you don't mind what are your thoughts on when to conduct asset allocation reviews surely a six month or even annual would suffice and then he says perhaps a up to uh, 2% range can be used to trigger action allowing space to ride out fluctuations yes Terry I really don't know about reallocating your portfolio four times a year and paying for that service I really don't. I mean, some people would say that you should never, that you should get your strategy right and reallocation should only be at the margins. Like Doug Turek would say, what are you talking about reallocating? If you got it right, you got it right at the start. Oh, no, I think rebalancing is a reasonable strategy, but I reckon this financial advisor, this financial planner is, four times is a year. justifying his fees. Yeah, four he's times a year. It, four times to, a year, I don't think so. No. I reckon you've got to say once a year it'll do and uh, mm. let's look at your fees, mate. Outside, outside, of, outside of dramas like the GFC or whatever. Okay, yeah. You, uh, yeah. Charles says, you were wondering about the convertible resettle. This isn't a question, this is just um, it's an answer to a question that we couldn't answer. Tell you this. I think. You were wondering about the convertible resettable preference shares of Whitefield LIC. The resettable relates to the ability to reset the fixed dividend rate 5.75% on future resettable dates and also convert to ordinary shares on the same date. Also, Whitefield can redeem those shares on the same date for a face value of $100. As to why a company has such a complex capital structure, I'll leave that to you explain, perhaps. Good luck. Yes. Well, I can't explain it, Charles. And what this means, 
James, of course, is that we only had two questions, not three. Oh, that's right. Because that wasn't a question. We had two questions and an answer, turns out. Well, maybe we'll get more next week. Um, we would look forward to getting more next week. Now, remember, we'll probably have a double special next week in that we will be doing the budget that night. We won't be taking questions, obviously, inside the lockup because you can't communicate with us in there. It's incommunicado. At the uh, at, at, at Parliament House, but uh, next exactly. Thursday we will be back. Uh, we'll in be back. with lots of questions. With lots of lots questions about the budget, because we will be we'll be we will all be over full it. bottle. We will. <laughs> we'll know it as well as Josh Frydenberg, almost. At least our area. Well, we'll, we'll, have, been close to, we'll have been close to for eight hours, not eight days. Yeah, eight hours is enough. Well, it's not quite eight hours, but uh, anyway, not far. Uh, we'll leave it there, James. Thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll uh, be in Canberra next week, as we said. Um, don't forget you can subscribe to The Money Cafe on Apple Podcasts or your app of choice. Uh, and please leave a review or a rating. It helps everyone find the show. And uh, send in your questions, and we'll answer them next week. You can tweet your thoughts to us. Just use the hashtag The Money Cafe, all one word, or email us at, on uh, moneycafe at theaustralian.com.au. Until next week, I'm Alan Kohler, Editor-in-Chief at InvestSmart. And I'm James Kirby, Wealth Editor at The Australian. Australian history is full of colourful but forgotten characters, from alleyway gangsters to Cold War spies and eccentric entrepreneurs. There are hundreds of incredible stories of adventurous Aussies that never make it into our history books. Each week I talk to some of the country's greatest history authors, sleuths and yarn spinners to uncover the untold stories of some of our most interesting and offbeat ancestors. The show in black and white can be found wherever you get your podcasts.